as we enter into this industry younger with a little bit more experience in like technology and stuff, you know, we're able to do our tours, but also build businesses online or, you know, do podcasts and blogs and all of those things. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides, tourism and the future of travel. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide from Berlin, and currently engaging how my fellow tour guides are navigating the pandemic. Today, I'm speaking to Caitlin Calogara, who's from the capital of the United States, Washington, DC. We had a very interesting chat about the nature of tour guiding and what makes it so much more fun than learning in a classroom. We spoke about the underrepresentation of women in history and therefore often in our tours as well. But I started asking Caitlin how she was handling Corona times, how she was doing. Here is Caitlin Calogara from Washington, DC. Well, thank you for having me. I really have enjoyed, you know, always having conversations with other tour guides, other professionals in the industry. And particularly now, I think it's important that we all keep in touch and share stories and connect. So thank you for for having me on your podcast. And I'm doing pretty well. I think, you know, we're all in uncertain times and there's a lot of just navigating and figuring things out as we go, but I'm in good spirits and uh, and trying to really keep a good balance for my day-to-day life. Do you keep in, in touch with uh, the rest of the sort of DC community? Yes, absolutely. I personally am just really big on community and, you know, shared experiences. I, I think that's probably why I'm a tour guide, but... Um, yeah, I've been doing connecting with friends and colleagues on really different levels. Um, we've had social gatherings, you know, Zoom meetings and uh, whatnot. But we've also actually been doing some work, getting on the phone and uh, video conferences and really just trying to be productive with our time. So we, we've definitely kept in touch uh, from a lot of different angles and uh, that has been enjoyable. You know, it makes the days feel like you're still being productive and you're still in this world, which, you know, under normal circumstances would be really consuming most of our days this time of year. Let's talk a little bit about Washington, D.C. itself. Like I've never been. Um, I've been to the U.S. a couple of times, but only to New York City. And I, I, there's so many different places to to venture and to go to. What, what, would, what would somebody visiting Washington, D.C. do? Like from a very basic perspective, what kind of tours would you guys offer? What, what kind of topics would you would you talk about? Yeah, so Washington, D.C. is the capital city of the United States. So we here have major government buildings and institutions. The United States Capitol Building, which houses our Congress. We have the White House, which is the residence for the president. We also have the Supreme Court Building, um, along with with other government departments. So there's definitely on our tours many themes of government and democracy and civics and how how this American experiment really came to be and has uh, grown over time. And then we also mix that with quite a bit of, um, we have military history as well. We have memorials for World War II and the Vietnam War. And also we honor a lot of uh, uh, people, individuals. So Abraham Lincoln and uh, Eleanor Roosevelt have statues. So it, it is 
Um, the point that we like to get across with Washington, D.C. is that people tend to think it is really government focused, but we do have rich culture uh, with food and music. We have a huge theater scene. So it is very diverse, but um, people mainly come to see monuments, memorials, and the Smithsonian Institute, which is uh, free museums. You li literally just go in, explore, you know, artifacts and, and exhibits, and then you leave and it's very accessible. Um, so it's good for families. Yeah. Now you specifically um, started your own uh, business, your own company, uh, focusing mostly on women's history. Could you maybe talk a little bit about when you started doing that? When did you start to get more interested and more focused on that? And how has that been developing so far? I... Yeah, I started and I own a company called A Tour of Her Own. And so we focus on women's history in the city and really broadly um, across our social media platforms. But um, I've been a tour guide for about five years now. I started in 2015. And I think like many of our colleagues, this is just a job that it's it's really easy to fall in love with, in love with very quickly and to feel so passionately. So my first few years out, I was learning all of these things and I already had a little bit of a, a background in history, but uh, I started to see history with new eyes because there was a shortage of women being represented uh, by monuments and memorials and in our museums. Um, just to give you one example, um, our United States Capitol building has 100 statues in there. So each of the 50 states gets to add two statues of anybody that they choose with limited criteria. Of those 100 statues, only nine of them represent women. So um, when our visitors come to D.C., they get very heavy history about our presidents, which have all been male. The United States has uh, yet to elect a female leader uh, as president. So I really wanted to just offer new perspective and um, not change history, but really fill in the gaps where I felt like it was needed. And so I have a fantastic team of tour guides who's been supportive and been really energetic about this. And so we're about a year and a half old now, and we were really picking up <laughs> some good momentum um, for March, which is Women's History Month. But uh, we got cut short just a little bit uh, because of COVID-19. But um, we, we were celebrating and we were really uh, saw a lot of people in the community rallying behind this idea of, of sharing this you know, new, exciting women's history, even though it's been there forever. <laughs> you, you, of course, um, are just like the rest of us struck by the virus, people not traveling anymore, people not going on tours, people generally not leaving their house in, in uh, especially the first month or two. How, how have you been, yeah, sort of doing, yeah, in, in general, like how have you been sort of coping with the fact that you can't work and Maybe also the fact that in the near future, there's also not that much work to be had. Yeah, well, that's that's a good question. I I like to be really honest about, you know, all of my experiences and be authentic. And so, uh, you know, some it's it's been a roller coaster. You know, sometimes there's a, a shining light of hope and sometimes it feels really like it's going to be a long journey back. Um, I think the thing about the tourism community, people are very supportive and are very optimistic. So there's a lot of people, you know, having conversations about this and trying to figure out um, 
practically what we can do. So for instance, you know, a lot of conversation around uh, staycations, you know, local people coming out to uh, to explore their own city, not necessarily international um, visitors. But at the same time, you know, there's some very real hard truths that we all have to deal with here uh, financially, of course, and really what this this occupation, this job, this career is going to look like when we come back. So it's, it is a mix of, I think, hope and fear. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we are in it together. And I, I just think we have to, to wait it out, you know, and see the traje- trajectory of it all. How about um, the, the profession at large? Like, uh, I've been having quite a number of conversations about what it means to be a guide, what makes our job so fun, what makes our job difficult, um, what makes our job precarious in some ways, and uh, what what gives us the freedom to do what we want. There's, of course, all kind of plus sides and negatives on our profession. Is is tour guiding in Washington seen as something that you can actually sustain yourself with? Is it an actual profession, or is it still seen as something that yeah, you, you do a little bit on the side, you do a bit of guiding, you do something else, and yeah, that's it. I would say overall, it is considered um, a reliable profession, profession, for sure. I know many of my colleagues that do this full-time and have been able to to make that work. Um, I don't know if I would say comfortably. I mean, we all hustle, but definitely there's been an avenue for us. It has been interesting, though, because a lot of the D.C. community uh, tourism community has changed over the years. Um, many of the uh, guides that I sort of have learned from, they did it as a you know second job or retirement job, but we see it transitioning. And particularly, I think, because tour guides are, are beginning to, as we enter into this industry younger with a little bit more experience in like technology and stuff, you know, we're able to do our tours, but also build businesses online or, you know, do podcasts and blogs and all of those things, which I think have made it um, more of a potential for a career. Yeah. But most most people are, are freelance, I assume. Yes. Most people are freelance. We do have uh, a few companies that uh, hire more as like an employee status, but uh, generally we're all freelance. Yes. Yeah, because uh, there's also this discussion happening at the moment among guides in, in the entirety of Europe as whether that is something we still want. And of course, the answer is different for everybody, uh, also different for the circumstances in which you guide or for which company you work, what country you live in. Um, yeah, it's a, a, do, do you ever think about that, whether you sort of like to be employed somewhere rather than be a freelancer? Yes, I have thought about that, particularly when I started my business, you know, about a year and a half or two years ago, because I felt, you know, I thought to myself, would it be smarter? Would it be more stable, more secure to sort of get a regular nine to five job and then do this? Not really as a, as a side gig, still committing, you know, almost full time to it. But um, I think in this profession, there is a lack of security, which is a little bit scary, particular here in the States. Now, I know every country is a bit different, but one of the things that freelancers and independent contractors in this sort of gig economy worker has to worry about is health insurance. And, you know, if you're not getting it through an employer, 
it could be very expensive and, you know, you want to make sure you get a, a plan that really is going to take care of you. So I think from that sense, and then also, you know, for us, if a lot of the time you work for several months, you hustle and then you have this off season. And, and so you, you hope to earn what you need to sustain yourself. And it's really from year to year, it just uh, is always a bit different. So I think it'd be nice to have some uh, some job security, some financial security. But at the same time, you know, I, I have heard you say this in some other podcasts. It's it's a great job. It's very flexible. Right. A lot of us make our own schedule. So I guess that's the trade off. Um, but but I, I think that most people really commit themselves in, in Washington, D.C. and uh, in the United States, the, the colleagues that I work with, they really commit themselves to professional development and taking this seriously. And so I would hope that the profession grows uh, with with those sorts of values that we all have. I think what I'm sort of thinking about in these conversations or what I hear from people and why I, I've sort of constantly been thinking and, and reshaping my thoughts about it is because even even if the majority of guides would want to remain freelance because it's as as you said it's it's nice to be to have this freedom i'm i'm not even myself sure if i would want to be employed somewhere but it's it is somehow peculiar or strange that there is not even the option of getting employed somewhere there is not it it just doesn't seem to be the model that a tour company hires their guides as employees. It just doesn't seem to be done. And I don't know exactly why that is the case. Yeah, that's a really good point. And really interesting that that's a common experience across the world for tour guides and uh, tour directors. Yeah, it seems like if you want to be full in a full-time position, then you're you're, you have to start looking at sort of a back office job or something um, not not out in the field. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm not also not sure, but it would be nice to have the option. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think as maybe there's this relates to, to questions about how serious people see our profession, like other people, but also how, how serious we ourselves take the profession we do. And that has then it again to do with uh, being of also being freelance, being a seasonal worker, um, that yeah, it's all sort of feeding into each other and sort of creating this sort of feedback loop. loop, um, Yeah, sort of weird loop of precarity in some way. And, and as I said, I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy sort of being able to take two months off and just come back as if nothing has changed or to just decide to take a couple days off or to just take whatever tours you want. Um, but situations like these, when there is crisis, do make you wonder what the future of our profession holds for us. You know, is this something we can grow old with? Um, do, do you have any particular ideas about where you want to be in a couple of years time? Or is, is this a profession that you want to pursue? I absolutely want to pursue this profession, um, probably more so the tourism industry. Um, I made this decision, you know, about two years ago when I said I'm going to, you know, take this sort of independent freelance work that I do and turn it into a company and, you know, invested much of my savings and my time into that. So that that is a decision I made a long time ago. And I truly hope that 
this is the sustainable in that we can continue to to keep it going because it is such an important profession. I think what's interesting about tourism is there's a lot of ability to get creative and to be innovative. You know, um, it, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, there's, you know, two hour walking tours. There are eight day bus trips. There are, you know, international cruises that go across the pond, you know, from, from Germany to the United States. So uh, I think I, th- I feel hopeful that the profession will continue to be strong, particularly because now in these hard times, you know, I hear a lot of stories from guides that have been doing this for a long time and they have survived. They've survived September 11th. They have survived other sorts of illnesses. They've survived terror attacks and uh, financial crises. So that sort of, I think, proves to us that we will always be around in one capacity or another. It just might be a little bit more difficult sometimes. And maybe, maybe as a very last question, but you speak about tourism and the the the, the importance of it. Why is it important? What well, what do we get from people traveling to other places? I think everybody probably answers that a little bit differently, but. It's personal for me because, and I I like to share this story to help put it in perspective about how I got here in my journey. Um, I was actually not a good student in a traditional classroom setting. Um, I wasn't absorbing information like my classmates, and it wasn't an environment that I felt like I could really learn. And so it wasn't until adulthood when I started traveling and exploring and learning you know, with different senses, being in front of memorials, monuments, touching, listening, hearing, smelling, all of those uh, things where I finally like, I th- it was almost like it, like an epiphany where I thought, wow, like there's so many ways to learn and it's fun when, when it's right there in front of you. So for me, it's, it's taking stories and history and culture out of a textbook or in even today's age, away from a screen and making it very tangible and very accessible for people. And it just offers perspective and it's exciting. And that's what I love about tourism. And I think as tour guides, if you're doing your job, then that passion comes through in your voice, in your eyes, in your body movements. And your guests will feel that and you guys can share this beautiful experience together. So that's sort of what I bring uh, into my tours with everybody. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. I really appreciate uh, hearing hearing your ideas and perspectives on tourism and also especially tour guiding in Washington, D.C. Thank you so very much for doing this. And uh, I hope when everything gets a little bit better, you come visit us in Washington, D.C. You're more than welcome and we we hope to see you here. I'd love to. All right. Goodbye, uh, Caitlin. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Caitlin Calogara from the capital of the United States. I love this idea of learning outside of the classroom. I wasn't a particular good student either. I think I bloomed a little bit later. But I believe all of us tour guides generally feel we're educators too. And this sense of being able to stand next to a memorial or a building or a site where something of importance happened and to be able to see, feel and hear about it gives so much more depth to our subject matter. 
Caitlin has her own company called A Tour of Her Own, where she highlights the women in American history and culture. Caitlin is very active in promoting her brand, has her own YouTube channel, and I've linked to all of it in the show notes. On Wednesday, we're back with Matthew Staunton from Liverpool. Getting to know new people, finding out why they decided to come here. You know, start the tour just thinking, oh, this city's really just about the Beatles, and then end it being like, oh my God, like so much has happened here. The Low Season is produced by me, Wout Bennert. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork is by CC White. Georgia Ryungu is anchoring the show to the internet. Speak soon, my friends. When our visitors come to DC, they get very heavy history about our presidents, which have all been male. The United States has uh, yet to elect a female leader uh, as president.